I just get the sense that radio's durability is still there, is still around, and that no technology, no new technology is going to quite interrupt its simplicity. Sure. It's not going to be like in the 20th century, a primary medium. I mean, there's no question about that. But it is still going to be a very, very important medium um, for millions and millions of people around the world. Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. My name is Paul Reismanel, and I'm one of your hosts. Hello, everybody. This is Eric Klein here, other host of Radio Survivor, and we are joined over the internet by our other hosts. Uh, this is Jennifer Waits, and in San Francisco, one of your fellow Radio Survivors. And hello, this is Matthew Lazar, also in San Francisco. But but in two different secret locations in San Francisco, joined together by the magic of Skype. The magic of radio. So we are all we are all of Radio Survivor here. We are the uh, four sort of core members of Radio Survivor, uh, here to celebrate our 100th episode of the radio show now, which we've been doing for more than two years. Uh, we've had a few weeks off here and there. That's why it didn't take us. It took us more than 104 we- 100 weeks to do 100 shows. I don't want to make radio in December. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's kind of what it came down to. Um, but also, Radio Survivor is an enterprise uh, that this year uh, celebrated, I think we celebrated our eighth birthday, actually. The, the website where you all report the news of radio <laughs> and do some blogging. It's somewhere between a blog and a and, and a it, newspaper. Yeah, it, it sort of it sort of varies. It sort of has got, you know has changed as as time has goes on because we try and and stick with what I think we want to do in terms of what our readers want to see, what it seems like resonates, and when what the uh, important issues are. Is Matthew Lassar uh, the solely responsible party for starting Radio Survivor? Is it fair to ask him what the deal was at the very beginning? Sure, Matthew. I mean, you you brought the idea to me. Uh, in it, you would come to me many years prior and said, you know, you're working on similar stuff. I'm working on similar stuff. We should and get you rejected together. Me. Well, <laughs> at the time <laughs> I, I was, I was not pretty, the, pretty not overwhelmed that I was hurt at the time or anything like that. You know, <laughs> well, I, I, it had nothing to do with you, Matthew. It was all me. Oh yeah. That's what they all say. <laughs> so, so Matthew, what was, what was the original concept? Why, why is it called radio survivor? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I initiated a discussion that started Radio Survivor, but I didn't start Radio Survivor. It was started um, by um, Paul, Jennifer, and me, and um, then you, Eric. Uh, so, you know, we're all co-founders um, of Radio Survivor. I wanted some kind of a uh, blog out there that focused mostly on community-based media um, that was about what listeners and volunteers and um, movers and shakers were doing in that area. And that wasn't like all of the other sort of industry news sites, you know, the voice of the industry, the voice of management. Um, but that, um, that looked, you know, looked at radio from a participant's um, perspective rather than from a management uh, perspective. And um, over the years, Radio Survivor has ebbed and flowed, but I think it's pretty much you know, it's, it's pretty much kept to that, um, you know, to that idea. Um, but that was the original idea, um, of radio survivor when we, 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 we started doing it some years ago. And yeah, that was 2009 mm-hmm. and the year, the year before in 2008, I started writing about college radio on my blog, spinning indie. And for similar reasons, I didn't, there weren't that many people writing about the culture of college radio. So I, I wanted to spread the word and also help other college radio stations learn about what was happening at other stations that might be under the radar or, um, you know, because often we live in insular worlds when we're doing radio. So I wanted to help people communicate with each other about the more independent world of radio. That's why I called it Spinning Indie for sort of my spin on independent college radio. And yeah, Matthew, you came to me, and that and that second time, I I, I agreed with you. And I had been doing my own uh, blog website called Media Geek. I started that around two thousand, and my 
Thrust was always sort of independent media, and I was very lit up by the uh, at the time the media reform movement um, that would coalesce uh, free press being an organization that really helped to kind of give it some coherence and started throwing these uh, semi-annual conferences, national conferences on media reform. Uh, at the time, I was studying the political economy of media as a graduate student at the University of Illinois. So it's a place for me to kind of bring it together along with my love of radio. And in 2003, I started doing it as a radio show uh, at Community Radio WEFT, which I started distributing online, uh, pre-word podcast existing. At the time, I was using Real Audio so someone could listen in their browser because, again, this idea of a podcast didn't exist. And once uh, podcasting in 2004 really started to be a thing where you where there was a technology behind it, I started to distribute it as a podcast. And I did that through to about 2009, <laughs> um, you know, as a solo venture uh, that uh, I did it at WNUR in, in, in Northwestern for a while. And that's how I came to know about Jennifer's work because Jennifer came through on a radio tour and I didn't get a chance to meet her. But the students told me that she'd been through, and I looked her <laughs> Paul, up. Looked you have at the to website. know about the our visitor. We had a very special visitor. Yeah, the stu- Well, yeah, and the students, of course, don't tell me ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, by the way, <laughs> this really cool well, yeah. person came through," and uh, but I looked you I'm, up. Often, I'm reaching out to the student general managers, so the adult advisors and faculty advisors don't always know that I'm. That I'm coming. Yeah, I mean, and it's, <laughs> it wasn't a problem, uh, but yeah. but I would have liked to have met you at that time. But um, you know, I had you on Media Geek, and then when Matthew approached me with this idea, and I agreed, and he was definitely you know like what needs to be even more than the two of us. Uh, immediately, I said, "Well, here here's a way to kind of broaden our approach." I, you know, I just met this woman, Jennifer Waits, who like is all in on college radio, and I think that is something we need need to cover. And Matthew was was completely positive and enthusiastic. And people should know that Matthew's coming at it as a um generally speaking from a historian's perspective, you know, I think that's a fair label to throw at you Matthew, but you also write about um anything that fascinates you in the world of 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 radio and media. So but uh Yeah, I mean I I I I do like to write about radio history and I like to think about radio history, but I also like to um, think about what's going on now. And, um, you know, and I like to think about what's going on just around me um, in the neighborhood which I live in, which is Bernal Heights. Um, I've been attending, for example, um, these um, uh, San Francisco Public Library um, Share Your Old Record um, events, which I'm going to write about in an upcoming, wow. um, in an, in an upcoming um, um, post for Radio Survivor. And yeah. I just. Community um, media, that's. In the room, community media, and, and um, I've been screwing around with video in my own um, very amateurish way. And I went down to um, Thrill House Records, which is on Mission Street, and I just did a little iMovie video version of what Thrill House look records looks like um, cool. the other day, and I posted that on Radio Survivor. And so, I, you know, I've I've been doing that, and also, as you know, I've been started. I've started actually at Paul's suggestion, your suggestion, Paul. I started my own um, little podcast called Hybrid Highbrow, which is about the interface of classical music with other kinds of music. Um, and it's in the second episode, and they seem to be doing rather well, I mean, in terms of um, the number of people who are listening to them. Yeah, links Mixcloud. in the show notes. Links. Yeah, in the go show to notes. mixcloud.com slash radio survivor, where we're, we're taking a taste of our own medicine and creating uh, alongside our talk podcast, Mixcloud, because we can share music there. We're creating music podcasts. Eric and I have uh, started one as well called Radio Ping Pong. Episode number one is up there where the idea is one person shares some tracks and the other person responds. I can't wait to play Radio Ping Pong with with (laughs) all my friends. We're trying to entice Jennifer to come and and play Radio Ping Pong with us. And And Matthew, too. It can be be doubles. And Matthew has written – Three books about radio that I just gonna I'm gonna toot that horn for you, Matthew, and then move on. Oh, thank you. You guys gave your origin stories. My origin story is that in my late twenties, I sort of stumbled into a very special community radio station that very quickly changed my life, and I realized I was in the right place and had some wonderful experiences, learned so many great skills, worked with so many wonderful people, had so many traumatic encounters. <laughs> 
you know, and and learned a lot in a in a short seven or eight year span. And uh, here I am now, uh, and finding that community media and community radio, but community media also, and any other form of communities where people um, come together and create uh, media, usually or at least art. Uh, matters so much to me and that's i'm still thinking about it to this very moment what it all means but that's why i'm radio surviving today and we work it out here on on the podcast we think out you know uh, it, it is it is a little meta in in certain ways we talk about podcasts we're, we're talking about radio but we're also looking to celebrate and we hope to some extent 100 we, episodes yeah we're hoping that we're we also turn people on to new things right we hope this is a little bit of a discovery uh, mechanism as we uh, talk to other uh, people in radio, other people in podcasting, other people doing community media, and I think that that's becoming some of more important part of our mission. You yeah. know, what's so interesting is 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 having you know been like a blogger, if you will, for now going on about seventeen years, is the sort of evolution of what that means and what kind of the internet is, if you will, <laughs> in that. There were so many fewer websites, really, if we go back to, to like the year 2000, and fewer people using the internet on a daily basis as part of their lives. Smartphones didn't exist. There was no mobile internet to speak of. Uh, so you had to be interacting with a computer or a laptop. And so people were doing so much less often and in different ways. I remember when wireless internet hit the cafe scene <laughs> right. in, in the Bay Area. There Changes was, everything. All of a sudden, people were sitting there for, for hours with their laptops. And in in so doing, you know, it used to seem to be more important, you know, even even uh, back in two thousand nine, to be kind of doing news, quote unquote, to be up on up to date and on what is going on with the FCC and what's going on with uh, legislation and in Washington and all these things that affect uh, community radio and, and and what we do online, um, and that became more difficult to do, and and at the same time. Uh, professional sites, professional journalists started doing more of that sort of work. And it's interesting to me because there are sites like The Verge, there's Ars Technica, in addition to uh, good folks at like Free Press and, and at sort of more advocacy organizations who cover these things and cover them well and articulately. And they're paid to do so, which means that we're let off the hook a little bit from trying to be up to the minute news on all of these things. So what I think that makes us do now or allows us to do now is to provide that analysis, is to provide some context of why it is important to people who care about community media. How do we map these ideas onto uh, community radio, onto podcasting, onto independent uh, media making of any sort? Um, and that, and it's been a nice shift there. And I think that that's something which we really try to do here on the show. Yeah. I mean, for me in college radio, all of that has always been intertwined because college radio stations often are creating a variety of different pieces of media. So they might be putting on concerts, they might be publishing magazines and, you know, doing other events in there, it's like a full-fledged media operation, um, and increasingly so with stations producing their own videos. So it it's kind of a nice shift because that's something that I've always seen as a part of of student media. Yeah, and Jennifer, your work for Radio Survivor is sort of um, always. I, I think of you now as like Radio Survivor's ambassador to the world because one of the things that you end up. I don't know if this was your original vision, but it was. I, I think I do know it was. Part of your original vision was to do all these station visits. Well, yeah. I mean, I started doing that um, as part of Spinning Indie. And then actually Matthew Matthew kept encouraging me to bring my chores to Radio Survivor. And I was I was so devoted to maintaining my original blog that it took me a while to shift them over to Radio Survivor. Um, and I'm glad that I did um, because it has a much bigger audience. Me too. Than Indie. <laughs> Me too. Um, and then the podcast really adds a whole other element to the tours because now I can record audio and we get to, people get to have a more, uh, a different glimpse at my tours because you can hear the sounds from the tour in addition to all the, the what I've written about and my photos. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, 
it's it's fun at this point because now sometimes I'm going to stations that already know about Radio Survivor and listen to us, um, you know, and sometimes I feel like a minor celebrity, you know, sometimes nobody knows me at all and I don't feel that way, but sometimes it's kind of exciting because I, they're like, oh, Radio Survivor is here. I met a stranger for the first time in Portland this week that was aware of the show. I don't know if he'd listen, but he knew <laughs> he knew the brand, and that was that was a very new experience for me. Very good, and and he I think very cool. He was a podcaster, so he doesn't count. And I think that that notion. So Jennifer, you know, you're bringing something you're already doing, the spinning indie radio tours to Radio Survivor, is sort of the the example of why community media is strong on the internet. We do all have the opportunity now, most of us, to create some media there on our own uh, via YouTube or via Snapchat or, or lots of ways. And, and, and occasionally, you know, somebody f- individual finds an audience. Isn't that entirely what Facebook is? You know, but there's this thing about working together towards a common cause that somehow magnifies our efforts. And I do think that working together with the three of you, we're able to do more and, and reach more people than we than we did on our own or would on our own. And then there's also the aspect of which I think we encourage each other. It's more fun to work together. Uh, I only I, I do the podcast in part because it, it's an excuse to work with Eric, um, you know, and it's an excuse to have regular conversations with with both of you, Jennifer and Matthew. In addition to you know enjoying working on the website together, and I think that that's again part of it is is us uh, taking our own medicine. And, and making community media, community-oriented media. Uh, For the community of community media makers. And, and, and enthusiasts. Enth- I hope yeah, that right. people who like community radio That, that line like should always be blurry, in. in my opinion. Of I course. I don't think any passionate listener should ever consider themselves just a listener. Right. They are a participant. That's kind of the point. And, and speaking of radio tours, we wanted, one thing we wanted to do was to share some of our favorite moments of the last 99 podcasts that we have done here. Um, a little, a little retrospective, a little look back. And, and the first one I want to share is episode number 48, but number 48 happened to be the time when Jennifer revealed and shared her 100th radio tour. Uh, Jennifer, do you remember what station that was? <laughs> How can I not remember? <laughs> There's much thought went into what number 100 was. It was uh, WPRB at Princeton University it was number 100. And it's a very old station, so it seemed kind of appropriate for you know such a nice round number, number 100, to have a station with a nice long history. And, and I visited at the time when they had an incredible exhibit up in the library documenting the history of the station. So, and I, and I'm friends with the person who, who runs WPRB. So it was exciting for me to finally be able to visit the station. I I really like that about college radio and learning that from you by working on this project, Jennifer, that college radio has such a long history in this country. It's not, it's not something that just sort of like bubbled up in the 60s or 70s. Um, it's been around for as long as radio has been around. And some of these stations have, have um, really just incredible stories going all the way back. Yeah, no. And, you know, I, you know, I have a pet peeve when people talk about college radio starting in the 1940s because, you know, I know of radio stations from the 1920s that were on college campuses. So, it's one of, you know, we all have these things that we try to just reiterate, you know, try to yeah. try to get the word out there about misconceptions. Uh, I didn't so pick it, Carrier Current is cool, but I just want to name drop Carrier <laughs> Current is cool as one of our, one of my memorable Radio Survivor podcast episodes where Carrier Current <laughs> was just this uh, fantastic way people got radio to, the, to other dorms <laughs> back, back in the day. College yeah. radio was the first public radio. Yeah. yeah, I really. mean, you know, it was it was the beginning of public radio. It, you know, and and it's important to note that college radio started right out right out the door as soon as they figured out um, you know, how to how to broadcast radio. Pretty soon colleges were broadcasting um radio and college radio 
created modern public radio. Um, when the original Corporation for Public Broadcasting was created, they were going to call it the Co Corporation for Public Television. And a whole bunch of college radio uh, managers went to Washington, D.C., said, no, you don't. It's got to be for radio also. And that's the reason why there's national public radio and why there's, um, there's CPB grants for radio. I mean, college radio is the first and the progenitor of modern public radio. Yeah, and that's yeah. why we continue to cover it here. I mean, because it continues to be important. There continues to be innovation. And, of course, this is where – the next generation of broadcasters, whether they become professional or whether they go to community radio or they end up doing something new, different, and independent, this is where many of them yeah. are coming well, and from. And there's an elephant in the room that uh, that's there's a myth that's extremely pervasive that the opposite is true, that college radio and radio in general is a dinosaur and irrelevant. And uh, why do we keep paying for this thing? When there's so many other uh, there's so many other places we need to staunch the bleeding in our particular academic institution, for instance, and so um, we've seen this before, a hundred episodes and, and counting, where college radio stations get get neglected and forgotten uh, because people think that there's no value now in 2017 to doing radio. I wanted to know. Go ahead, Jennifer. Oh. Um and, you know, even more forgotten than college radio is high school radio. And, and now that you're mentioning my 100th tour, I'm reminded of another favorite episode. And Paul was along when I toured what is possibly the oldest high school radio station, you know, continuously operating high school radio station in the country in Portland. And it's a station that started in 1923. So Paul and I got to tour... And the call letters are escaping me right now, but we got to tour that. Yeah, so we toured that station together, and um, and it was epic. Yeah, what an incredible history! I don't think people in Portland realize that at all. That the old, yeah, high school radio, oldest high school radio station in the country, and one of the oldest stations in the Portland, Oregon metro mm -hmm. area. On top of that, and yeah, what a wonderful station. episode! I love that episode. Yeah, and, and which 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 people often think of FM as the domain of college. And uh, high school radio, but it's an also an AM station. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, and it continues to be a training station. So you have high school students on the air. And yeah, it's incredible. So, and high school radio really doesn't get that much attention. And I, I continue to want to do more work related yeah, to high school here, radio. Here. My dream job would be teaching high school radio. I'm going to put that into the world. And you're listening to Radio Survivor. We are the Sound of Strong Communities. We're celebrating our 100th episode of this radio show and podcast. I'm Paul Reismandel. With me is Eric Klein. Hello, we're, we're here in the uh, Portland, Oregon studio. Joining us from San Francisco, California are Jennifer Waits and Matthew Lassar. And, and we'll remind you that uh, anything you hear on the show, if you want to learn more, go to radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. This is episode 100. That's we're why gonna we're celebrating. Just, we're just going to link to every other episode of this podcast that we love today. So, yeah. Yeah, you can go on Click a deep away. dive. You, you, you can queue <laughs> them up in your podcast app and go on a road trip uh, and listen to us for hours. You learn a lot about community media that you way. You will learn a lot we about community did. media. I certainly know a lot more. You know, one of the things that you we said we wanted to talk about was recent trends in radio. And um, also about, um, you know, favorite podcasts. And one of the things that I've noticed in terms of recent trends is the absence of articles titled Radio is Doomed. Hmm. Um, ah, because in 2015, that was not the case. Yeah, we were talking about the last time we all got together. Remember, we got together at um, my house, my secret house here in San Francisco. And we all talked about this. And we complained about all of these radio is doomed articles and about it is the end of radio. And one of the things that I've noticed, and I'm not quite sure where this is going, is the absence of those. I think the media has become tired of saying that radio is doomed. Um, and I, so that I, so now I like to think that we that radio is in its is in its post doomed phase. Yeah. Um, you know, what happens after radio didn't die? It sort of, um, it's, it's almost feels like an, a sort of a post-apocalyptic moment for radio. Um, but I think that there is a general, I think that eventually the mainstream media is going to notice 
um, um, as a result of their silence, that it's still there. And, 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 and the question of how it fits in um, to uh, the, con- the contemporary media landscape is going to be more deeply explored. I really enjoyed the podcast that you guys did with Brian Edwards Teekert about Alexa. The smart speaker revolution. Um, the smart speaker. And the reason why I really enjoyed it was because I felt like you were in the same place that I was, which is that this is a really big deal, but we're not sure why. Um, you kept on grabbing onto how is this going to um, affect community radio stations? How is it going to affect you know radio in general? And yet I was not able to figure out from the conversation for, or from my own thinking about it, exactly how it actually would affect it. I mean, it seems to me that, you know, people will turn, turn to Alexa and they'll say, Hey, Alexa, play this radio station or play that radio station. And that's more or less what Alexa will do. And it's obviously going to have some kind of an impact on the media landscape and on the radio landscape. But I just get the sense that uh, that radio's durability is still there, is still around, and that no technology, no new technology is going to quite interrupt its simplicity. Sure. It is no longer, it's no longer going to be, it's not going to be like in the 20th century, a primary medium. I mean, there's no question about that. Um, but it is still going to be a very, very important medium um, for millions and millions of people around the world. And I think I get the sense that the media understands that at this point. And I sort of pick that up from the absence of radio is doomed yeah. articles and from your really good interview with Brian um, about um, about Alexa, which I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed you sitting around and talking to Alexa in the middle of yeah. the that in was the middle of the interview. That, that, that interview was podcast number 96, where we discussed the smart speakers coming from the companies, Amazon, Google. Apple's going to have a product and these are um, the AI assistants. They're listening to you. You give them, you ask them a question and then they'll play something. And, you know, Brian's opinion, it seems pretty uh, legit, is that these things are taking up the exact same space that a radio would take up in your life. Um, it's funny, Matthew, you're talking about the the media no longer uh, dooming radio to die by writing think pieces about them. And I wonder if it's partly because uh, so many media organizations are making radio on a daily basis now. Right. That they're, that they're, uh, you know, New York Times, uh, BuzzFeed, uh, on and on. They're all making radio a lot. They call them podcasts. They do. Yeah, but they yeah. are actually yeah. radio. They are actually radio. But the, what was interesting about the, about, I mean, when you, when you talked to Alexa, it gave you radio. Yeah. I mean, basically, you know, you yeah, said. BBC. Right. I mean, basically, you said, you know, play something. I want the news. And it gave you it gave you radio stations. I didn't I didn't hear how this was going to interrupt radio. I mean, obviously, it's going to change the way people press buttons. They're going to press buttons now with their voices. Um, But I wasn't quite clear how this is, you know, how how earth chattering this was. I could be completely wrong, but it was interesting to have that experience, which I feel like I've had now so many times over the last decade of listening to something new and understanding that somehow it's new, but not quite comprehending how it will change anything or whether it will really change anything that much. It's, it's the new predominance of audio. And I think this is sort of a natural evolution in a lot of ways. And I can only say this in retrospect. Right. This is not something which which I prognosticated, um, but it, it it it's I think it sort of makes sense because what happened, what got the internet into most people's lives was the smartphone. That's what got it into most people's daily lives, and it's a little screen, and that's kind of what finally captured people and and brought usefulness. But there's a problem with screens, and the problem with screens is that you have to look at them, which yeah. means it's not appropriate for all sorts of activities, even some activities where people try to glom on, glom it on. As you see people walking down the street, staring at their phones, walking into traffic, stumbling over themselves, bumping into people, etc. It's almost like a, a total a public safety hazard to someplace like Midtown Manhattan, where there's all this hustle and bustle. 
And then you hear about people who are having traffic accidents because they, they not just, you know, texting, but, you know, yes, had some the, so TV program. So we have running. screens. So, so we have screens and that's not appropriate for everything. And it took a little while for people to come back to this idea of like, oh, wait, this is an audio device too. And there is radio, there is podcasting. And I think the development of this AI technologies, the Siri, the Alexa, and, and meaning you now don't even have to look at the screen to interact with yeah. it. My, my, I'm washing dishes. Phones. My hands are wet. Uh, play me. What's I'm going on? I'm in the on. car, right? Yeah. Because we don't. Because what 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 has been slow is the is a good integration of internet radio and podcasts in the car, yeah. where the radio was easy. It had a few buttons. You just punch them, and you get you get sounds, and you don't have to be looking very at it. Much. It doesn't cost very much. And now with the voice control, there's a lot makes it easier, makes it safer to interact in the car, makes it safer to interact in all sorts of things. And I think people are coming back. And I think it is the conflation, I think is what you're seeing there, Matthew, of audio and radio. This recognition that radio is audio media in the same way that we'd seen only very recently the conflation of video and television where now with, with like the ability just to watch YouTube on your television – the difference, I think, for a young person between it's NBC, ABC, and YouTube channels it's all TV. is all just I, TV. I remember, I don't know what episode it was, and it's not that important, but it was a long, it was way back that Jennifer was telling us that I think um, that Apple had launched a radio service and spent a long time trying to figure out how to brand it and okay. eventually decided it had to be called radio. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that right. was. They, I thought that was very telling. I mentioned that in my book, <laughs> Radio Two Point Radio Two Point You know that you know basically they you know they 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 couldn't they they I'm, but it's so interesting is is that they wanted to call it something else. Yeah. Um, and I never I was never quite sure why they wanted to call it something else. I guess they wanted to call it something else so they could invent it and call it its brand and 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 something like that. Um, but I think that the, um, uh, you know, there's an, there's an, I don't know why I'm thinking about this. The, the onion had a, a very funny t-shirt years ago that said war against drugs, um, over drugs win. And I think that the war against radio is, um, is over or soon will be over Yeah, and radio still won. I'm very comfortable now as a podcaster podcasting to say that we're doing radio. I think we struggled with this here on radio survivor on the podcast we're like, well, we're not on a radio, so we are podcasting. But I always felt very comfortable in the fact that we were doing radio, and I, I, I like this. I'm, I'm. There's no conflict in my mind anymore. It's, it's radio. It's a, that's a nice word. So yeah, we here at Radio Survivor. It's called Radio Survivor, but we figured out pretty early on that we love community media, and we don't. Uh, we're not we're not married to this uh to this audio format for it to mean something to us in that same way. It's been difficult to wrap our brains around, Matt. But Matthew, I know you've been thinking about this. What what do you think? Well, I I think that I'd like in the in terms of the future of Radio Survivor, I'd like us to think more flexibly about talking about um community media, not just community Radio. We already do that some in terms of our coverage of record stores and um, and other institutions. Um, I've written about things that go on in libraries. Um, I want to spend a lot more time thinking about what um, libraries do in terms of helping people um, share audio and um, share media. And I want to just sort of see Radio Survivor and input the participation of more and more people who are really interested in community media sharing, not just um, radio, because I think that radio has a lot to do with those other kinds of um, media and, and how they're, and how they're working. And I, I, I hope to do that more myself. Um, I did do that little, that little uh, YouTube of Thrill House records, and I'm going to, um, spend some time on exploring our library, our local library systems in encouragement of it encourages people to meet and come in and play records um, that they have and including very old records. And I'm very interested in that and want to see us do more of that. I um, really, 
I really want that library record sharing show to be a radio program, but that yeah, that's just me. Well, and and uh, speaking of such things, I know of at least two or three libraries that have low power FM radio stations. So that combines all of those elements into one amazing yeah uh, entity. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think um, libraries and radio survivor has been a real a real buzzword lately. Or uh, in these hundred episodes, it, it comes up, and I actually don't entirely understand it. Well, and I don't know if all of you know this, but when my daughter was two, we started a blog together where she picked out music from the library at random, mm. like CDs. She pulled CDs off the shelf that looked interesting to her, and then I wrote up her record reviews of of music that she got from the library and, and it was super fun and it was a fun creative project to do together. And, you know, her two-year-old self and how she would describe reactions to music was pretty hilarious. So I, I definitely have a soft spot for the audio available in libraries. And a lot of people don't really talk about that, that you can go to a library and check out records and CDs and it's free. And it's, and it's free, free. Like, radio, like radio, kinda. And it's free, and there's no commercials. Paul, why do you think libraries and Radio Survivor um, belong together? Well, you know, it is about this sort of, it's about public service and providing a place where people come together, whether it's sort of virtually in the way that radio does. Uh, Matthew, it's something that, that has mentioned, something Matthew has mentioned before about the creation of audiences of people listening to the same thing, often simultaneously still, and that's still being important. Um, but also, you know, libraries are now becoming the site of radio. People are going there to create podcasts. Many libraries have maker spaces or lend out recording equipment, have labs where you can do recording. Um, and there are some libraries. Uh, there's a library in Indiana that has a new low-power FM station. So they're bringing that in and, and it's an, it's a natural fit because, you know, libraries are a public space. It's a place where everyone is welcome. Um, and it's in an important place where, where often too many spaces are privatized Yeah, it, and any activities are very limited. It makes me think of a question for Matthew. I'm going to, I don't know where this will lead, but what this all just connected in my mind was that we have, we have government sponsored uh, rooms full of books and media, and we have uh, struggling community media with with very little government support. And it, it, there's there's an emptiness, there's a void where there's no government sponsored community media. Is that a question? I don't know. Well, I think that there is a tremendous um, potential. I v I vaguely recall years and years ago doing some articles for Radio Survivor about a library. I believe it was, it's Denver's library that was actually streaming local bands. Um, it actually had a selection of local band um, recordings, and you could stream the bands and listen to the bands online. That's still on Radio Survivor. There's an article um, somewhere uh, there. Um, one of the reasons I'm particularly excited about this is that San Francisco has just um, made a commitment to having the libraries open all the time, not all the time, but every day. So now my local library, which is down the block, which was um, built by the Works Progress Administration of the New Deal in 1939, and which has kind of revamped itself um, recently, is now open all the time. It has tons and tons of DVDs there. It has you know, it has computers there. You can listen to audio. You can go down to the main branch of the public library and, um, you know, you can um, record your story to various people out there. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it, but that libraries are an opportunity to keep public media alive in a way that clearly the federal government um, isn't committed to, at least not right now, given the current president of the United States. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity here and there's a lot of opportunity for thinking out loud here that I'm really excited about. And libraries, it should be noted, are mostly locally funded, maybe a state, county, city level, uh, not typically very funded at the federal level. 
Um, it varies between municipality to municipality, but a lot of it is very much local funding for that kind of local service. And and you can find those articles that Matthew talked about at radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. Look for episode number 100. We'll have it in the show notes. And uh, this is the Radio Survivor Show. I'm Paul Reesmandel. With me is Eric Klein Hello. here in the Portland studio. Uh, we're talking with Matthew Lassar, one of our co-founders of Radio Survivor. He's in San Francisco. And Jennifer Waits, also in San Francisco, another of the co-founders, celebrating episode number 100. And we'd love to hear from you. Is there anything we've talked about or you've read about on, on Radio Survivor that resonated or, uh, or, or just got you thinking? Send us an email, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. And we are a listener and reader supported enterprise. So uh, we could really use your help to keep doing what we do. You can learn more about how to support Radio Survivor at radiosurvivor.com slash support. Uh, Matthew, I, I believe you told us that you need to go pretty soon. So I don't know if you have any, any final thoughts you'd like to share here on episode 100. Uh, congratulations to the three of you. And uh, <laughs> it is a great pleasure to work with the three of you. And um, here's to lots, lots more. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you. So, Jennifer, uh, you have kind of some episodes that all uh, have an umbrella for like an overarching theme that you'd like to share with us. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been talking about my radio station tours, which I write about on Radio Survivor, and increasingly I record audio too. And during the time we've been doing the podcast, we've seen more low power FM stations in particular get launched. And it's been exciting for me to be witness to that personally and also through uh, work of others, including Eric on the podcast. So Eric did an episode where he was actually at Freeform Portland when they were raising the antenna. And and Eric is is a much more skilled audio producer. So he had some amazing audio from the roof of this building, you know, that just sounded amazing. You know, I, I felt like I was there listening to the podcast, hearing the kind of clinking noises of yeah. the metal antenna, and then also hearing your interviews with people about what this felt like to be starting up a new radio station. And, and, and people also talked about college radio connections. There were a, a lot of people there with college radio backgrounds. So I think that's been a great thing about the podcast is that we get to eavesdrop on these conversations. And, you know, this is a, a unique period in history to see so many stations launching, so many brand new stations launching. And, you know, I didn't really have that opportunity in the past. So, um, I, I really appreciate that we've been able to document the birth of so many new radio stations. So the Raising the Antenna episode about Freeform Portland is definitely one of my most memorable podcasts. And that's and, episode number 41 of the show. You'll find that at uh, our show notes, radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. I'm so glad you remembered that episode because I I think it was about a year <laughs> ago and I I lived off the that the happiness, the good feelings from that uh, unexpected field trip that I got to take as a reporter wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for Radio Survivor, wouldn't have brought my recorder if it wasn't for the podcast, you know, probably would have stayed home that summer day if it hadn't been for all these projects. And to go on the roof of that building in North Portland and join all of those volunteers uh, who were who were raising the antenna for their station. They were so excited. They were so hardworking. They, they had done so much to get to that point, And they were, they had so much pleasure anticipation, uh, cause they knew they were about to get on the air. Yeah. And, and it was everything. And then, and then to find out that so much of what was driving them was a, a passion that they developed at college radio as, and as, as grownups, they needed it. They needed to reproduce that passion again and, and share it with, with people who didn't have college radios. Um, was yeah, it was one. really, it was, yeah, it was really nicely articulated. And, and it's nice, I think, to have these documents of these historic occasions, like raising the antenna. And 
and so similarly, another another podcast that I really enjoyed was one that I was that I was a part of, um, and I visited in Tacoma, in the D.C. area. Tacoma Radio was preparing to launch, and when I visited, I actually met up with the founder at her house, and so we hung out in her living room and kind of looked at some equipment in one corner of the room, and then she walked me over to the future studio where I don't think they had any equipment, but they had sort of these artist renditions. So they had little paper and cardboard artistic looking pieces of radio equipment. It was really charming. And, and so we talked about this future station and, and I had along with me, Laura Schnitker, who is, um, she she does college radio. She's also an archivist and a musicologist. And we work together on the Radio Preservation Task Force, which is a project of the Library of Congress. So we're both very interested in community media, college radio, and radio history. So she was there along with me and 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 sort of helped me to interview. Marika Partridge, who was the founder of Tacoma Radio, and and they ended up forging some connections, and it helped facilitate some future future projects and radio station tours between those two and the two stations that they worked at. So that was another instance where not only was the podcast a way to talk about the birth of a station, but it was also a way to show these collaborations that happen when we go out and visit radio stations and particularly when we bring friends with us. Um, so I, I greatly enjoy connecting people in this world of, of radio. So we're through the podcast, we're connecting people with stories about other radio stations and potentially building these connections. But it's also fun for me when that happens in person, when I bring somebody along on a radio station tour and they meet up with somebody and future projects might happen because of that connection. So to me, that was a very special visit in Tacoma uh, to see not only the beginning of a station, but the beginning of a radio friendship. And on that same episode, we we also played some clips from an interview with another nearby LPFM, W-E-R-A-L-P, in Arlington, Virginia, and and talked a bit about their launch day and the countdown. So I, it's been really incredible to just be witness to these brand new stations and and all of the exciting energy surrounding starting up new radio projects. So I think the podcast just adds an extra element to that, that we get to hear audio from those moments. And, and I think it's important for these to get documented, that this is happening. I mean, so it may get documented in a local newspaper, right? Or in some local media, depending on, on the city or the town. And that's wonderful. But what is hard to see and understand when you're, when you're at the site of any one station is the fact that this is a flowering happening nationwide, that this is happening in cities around the country and happening around the world. And I think, you know, sort of on that connection point, it, what's been nice is our ability. We've tried to go a little international here and try and give some perspective about how community radio is not a strictly American or North American phenomenon. I mean, in fact, on episode 71, we learned that, in fact, Bolivia is probably the site of the first community radio station. And we learned that from uh, our guest, Sylvia Thomas, who uh, went on tours in Bolivia and around the world of community radio stations to go learn more and, and, and help with them. But another interesting international connection is that uh, it turns out that Sylvia had met a guest we had on our last yeah. show. Mr. Alvaro Burns, who is on episode oh. number 99. And he, he mentioned it to us and Sylvia mentioned it to us that she had met Alvaro uh, in her travels in South America. He is from Brazil and uh, they knew Radio Survivor 
in common. And that's the wonderful part about doing this on the internet is doing this as a podcast. In addition to being on the radio is that we get some international reach and it's great to hear that there are people around the world looking for more information and looking to connect about community radio. And Alvaro, as we learned on our last episode, um, is a community radio broadcaster and has been for quite some time. Um, in, in the, he's now in the city of uh, San Bernardo de Campo in the uh, Sao Paulo region of Brazil, and he's worked at several stations where there's there. six community radio stations. Yeah, which he, which all, he told us all about. Running separately in, yeah. in separate little neighborhoods. And we have links to you. Go listen to a whole bunch of them online. I haven't, uh, if I haven't you go availed to, uh, myself of that opportunity Radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. Go for episode next, number 99. next time I need a little bit of radio, I, that is definitely the link I'm clicking. And, but the, I am and not there was a radio so. friendship, you know, thousands of miles from here uh, where we broadcast. And I think um, it's amazing. It's important to remind ourselves of that because I know that either for, for whether you're a listener or you make radio, whether it's podcasting or community radio, it's easy to get sort of bogged down or have a little tunnel vision right around like, this is what we do and this is where we do it. And these are our problems or these are our struggles. These are our challenges. These are our victories. And not realize that other folks are maybe going through a lot of the same things and that there's a there's wells of knowledge uh, and experience that we can learn from. And I know, you know, from my own experience in community radio, uh, not often enough did we turn to folks at other stations to say, hey, hey, have you been through this? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important that there's organizations like the National Federation of Community Broadcasters. Uh, which is actually having its national convention as this episode uh, drops right now. And that's a place where uh, stations are able to come together. Some 300 people will be in Denver are in Denver, Colorado uh, talking over these common issues, but it's also understandable that often there isn't the resource to travel and to meet up. Although the NFCB works really hard to give advice and connect people, you know, yeah. over the phone, over none of email. us are there. Certainly, we all none would, of us we'd all are would there love right to now. be there today. Uh, but but often, you know, in, in news stations, you know, they they're not even aware that there is an NFCB, that there are these other organizations, and and it's it's easy to kind of forget that maybe the other side of town, the other side of the state, there is somebody else working on this, and there's more people working on community radio now than ever before in human history. This is a moment across the world. There is more community radio than ever before. And if you include what we're now throwing a wider net around community media, well, then now my mind is just blown. There's more and more. What, what is, what is, um, what is a person doing YouTube when they're, when they're speaking their heart to communities, but, but community radio Exactly. And then we see public access television, community television, which is joining with radio, many of them starting low power FM stations, and there's more collaboration happening. Um, And I think that that you see this happening in colleges, you see this happening in high schools, where media is media is media is media. And it's about that uh, communitarian impulse, about the impulse about sharing, about independence, um, doing it for the love, but also, you know, doing it for the. much of the, the collaboration as well. I think that's what and we're you trying know, to celebrate. You know, this also ties in with another of my favorite podcasts. And I know we've talked about so many now, but we learned on one of the podcasts, I shared a tale about color radio, which was in the 1980s on cable television. Oh, the color was, bar. It was color bar radio. Oh, it's called color radio. Oh, I thought it was but color it, bar. No, but it's on the color bar. Oh, channel. okay. I got it. I'm, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I learned about the station that started in 1982 and it was kind of an experimental, I think mostly music station on a local cable channel, you know, because people realized, Oh, there's an extra channel here. Maybe we can do a radio station on it. And that was in Richmond, Virginia, right? Yeah. So, um, it was great, you know, during my radio station tour at, um, a community radio station in Richmond, it was great to get some of these tales from a great storyteller. And again, to be able to share that audio from somebody who is a very skilled storyteller and learn about lore, like color radio. And that was on episode number 88. 
Because it wasn't it the case that some of the folks who went on to start WRIR, which is a low-power FM station, it's been around for about 17 years, um, they were still sort of in the background inspired by that experiment of the color radio, which was, some which was them, on cable TV. Yeah, and some of you know the people at WRIR, a, a lot come from various radio stations. So there are some people there who had done time at color radio and a bunch had done time at different college radio stations. So it, it's all intertwined, you know, in these, in these communities. Um, it's, it's a really small world when you look at people who are making media. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get a little, uh, a little reflective now here on the hundredth episode of radio survivor. One of the things we're doing is looking backwards at all of the things we've learned and the radio programs and podcasts, which are one and the same, uh, that we've produced. And, but I, this, this happened to me this week. I was at a community uh, media institution here in Portland that I'm, I'm spending more and more of my time at, which is um, really wonderful. And it's open signal community media. It's a public access television station primarily, but they're in the process of changing what that means, which is, part of the excitement and why I'm sharing all these details. And I met somebody there who is a very young person whose passion was uh, uh, making, and I'm now I'm feeling so silly. I, it's virtual reality, but that's not what they call it anymore. It's, but it's building, building worlds inside of a three-dimensional uh, computer where where anything is possible it's really the you know the promise of the 90s and all that silly stuff uh, made real and and lots of people right now very very passionate smart people are are building these worlds and defining what these worlds will mean uh in the future uh, they're doing that work today and they actually they're doing it in communities they are community media makers on this frontier medium of three-dimensional virtual reality that has a different name when you when you actually play in that space. And here I'm meeting that person at a community television station and fascinated by what she is working on. And I told her what I am working on. And she was like, oh, radio. Radio is the beginning of all of it. And I mm. and I felt so I felt so special because like, yeah, I'm very backwards looking. I really appreciate what's now become this old medium. But I think that we really do have a lot of uh, good stuff to share with the future, like the lessons that radio producers have learned about making community radio and, and like why, uh, why I still like radio the best. I think, I think it helps. And uh, we'll, we'll get there. On episode 200, I might be able to articulate this better. Well, an audio is virtual reality. I mean, when you're listening to... There's some really great podcasts out there and really great radio shows. And I think you, you'll hear even if you listen to All Things Considered on NPR, you, you will hear some really great audio pieces, some mm-hmm. reported packages where people go out and go out of their way to get uh, that, that the actualities, as they're called, the, the sound and, and give you a, this, this sort of oral sense of, of the place where action is taking yeah, place, it's you. not just voices, but it it can be you know the sound of rustling grass, it can be the sound of machinery, it can be you know the sound of the ocean, and and I've heard podcasts that that that, that take make use of that stereo capability, mm-hmm. so that if you're wearing two headphones, you're you're there, and if you close your eyes, right. That is virtual reality, and and not everyone has sight, not 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 all people have good vision and for a lot of people vision is not their primary sense and that is a place where where radio where audio where podcasting again helps to create take you to other worlds to and create other worlds uh you know a, whether it's a, a podcast to like uh welcome to night vale which creates this different world of a, of a parallel community radio station or it's it's the uh, the radio station created online that that you uh, both of you Eric and uh, Jennifer you talked to one of the producers of the station for the Man in the High Castle which creates this this virtual reality of resistance a radio station radio, yeah. resistance radio from a, uh, a sort of a, a 
revisionist history as if the United States were Nazi occupied. What would that radio would be like? Um, you know, that is really, I think, part of the history of radio, but also I think is the future. If we're not just looking backwards, that audio and radio are part of uh, people thinking about world creation and thinking about how things can be different and thinking about, you know, how you can experience, I think, ideas and stories in different ways. And we're, and what we're seeing a flowering of new ideas and a flowering of new approaches to doing audio that of course pull from tradition, but nevertheless are innovative and new. And, and, and it's, it's the happening theater on, radio of the and mind. podcasting. Yeah, it is still theater of the mind. And I don't think that's going to go away. And I think as Matthew proved, has demonstrated in his rec- in, in, earlier in the show, it, it didn't. Despite all of the premature declarations of radio's death, here we are. We're still doing it. More stations going on the air. More podcasts hitting the internet every moment. More people making radio shows or, just, or doing audio in different ways, in innovative ways. Whether they choose to use the word radio or not. It's sort of immaterial because yeah. the experience I, is very much the I same. I have to share again an anecdote where I have an 11-year-old son who has a pretty free reign of the media landscape, and he enjoys watching young people play specific video games on YouTube. But if they don't do radio, if they don't speak into microphones and narrate their experience and talk about how they feel and share what's going on, on in their minds – then it's not a it's not a channel that he will engage in. It's and he's he's explained that to me. Like this one is a good one because they they talk, they narrate it well, and hmm. so, yeah. So even 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 there on YouTube, it's it, the the radio matters. So Jennifer, as we uh, wrap up this episode number one hundred of the Radio Survivor podcast, and you're well past a hundred of your. Radio station tours. Uh, any 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 final thoughts? Anything else you wanted to share? One hundred thirty nine. One hundred thirty nine radio tours. I know it's crazy. No, I mean again, I think the podcast really it just helps. It, it helps me to kind of flesh out a lot of these stories. So I I've really appreciated having the ability to share audio because I think that brings stories to life in a different way. And some people don't. You know, some people prefer to listen to stories versus reading about them on the website. So, I think that we're we're reaching different audiences. So, I'm excited to go out and and see more stations and and try to get more maybe experimental with my audio. Maybe get some some more interesting sound bites to share with people, and you know, more interviews from interesting radio connected people from around the world. I still want to do more with radio art, so maybe that will happen at yeah. some point in the next 100 episodes. Yeah, uh, I'm I, I, here on Radio Survivor. My name is Eric Klein, and my goal is to talk with more people who make radio and are thinking about it and listen to what they've been thinking about and then share what we've been thinking about here. And half the time when I open my mouth, uh, what comes out is something that Paul just told me last week. And in the other half of the time, it's something that you just told me, Jennifer. So it's it's such a pleasure to take to take the ideas that you've put into my head and to share them with the the people that I'm speaking with, and then find out uh, what they have to say about it. And and that's that's my goal for the next 100 episodes of Radio Survivor. When we started this enterprise of the uh, podcast, Eric, you know, I think uh, initially, at least my vision was for something a little different than what we've done. And it was probably a little overambitious. Uh, I just listened to one of our early episodes and it was two hours long. Yes. And, you know, often, you know, perfect is the enemy of done. But it doesn't mean what we're doing isn't what we're doing isn't good or isn't perfect enough. Um, and I'm appreciating the opportunity to work on this as a project with you, with Jennifer and with Matthew, uh, because it does evolve because it changes. And it, it changes in response to things we learn. It changes in response to people we talk to. It changes in response to what we're actually capable of pulling off, frankly. Yeah, a work schedule. A, you know, work schedule and everything else because this is still a volunteer activity. And we've been able to make the commitment for 100 weeks to do this. And I wasn't 
necessarily sure we'd be able to do it, but I knew you don't make the commitment for a hundred, you make the commitment for one and you make the commitment for number two and on and on. And eventually it sort of becomes a habit as has radio survivor. Now that we've uh, been doing it for eight years since 2009 is you find a way to make it a habit and it, whether to, you know, similar to the habit of turning on the radio in the morning to hear the mm. news or to hear some music or, or opening up uh, your smartphone to look at Facebook um, we've tried to make Radio Survivor a habit. And we hope that maybe you have too. We really appreciate you took some time to listen to this hour of Radio Survivor. We'd love to know what you think, if you have any feedback, comments, things we should be covering, uh, or you'd like to hear less of. It's all good to us. Send it to podcast at radiosurvivor.com or drop us a line on Facebook or on Twitter. We're easy to find. It's just Radio Survivor. And of course, we are listener and reader funded uh you know we not nearly enough comes in to cover, but uh we're covering our basics and we could yeah, do and, so much more and when it did it helped pay for some of jennifer's travel expenses when she was at an incredible conference uh where were seven different radio station tours and and an entire like uh collection of of passionate new radio people were all captured on her microphone and we make oh, it yeah. go far and i feel like that was like yeah, yeah much appreciated. The dollar we we, we make it go far. So uh, go to radiosurvivor.com slash support to learn how to support us. And uh, if you are listening as a podcast, hey, would you go ahead and rate us, whether it's on Stitcher, whether it's on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and if you'd subscribe, right? And so you can do that one little extra step to help make it a habit. We'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Jennifer, for joining us. And thank you to Matthew. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Bye, Jennifer.